Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to today's program. You know, we make a lot of decisions in life, decisions every day. And one of the problems that we have is how do we go about making the right decisions? There's so many decisions, especially if you're 65 or turning 65 and you're still working. One of the questions you you ask yourself, should you stay on at your employer's group health plan or... Should you enroll in a Medicare or a, and a Medicare supplemental plan? Well, that's a tough decision, and it really can be confusing because you have to understand Medicare and all the implications that take place with seeking out doing the right thing. So what do I say as far as the best way to make that decision? Seek advice. And we've got someone here today, Shannon Dyson. He is here to help us go through that important decision-making process and understanding health care coverage. So you don't want to miss that part of the program. So many of us struggle with knowing what to do to achieve our financial dreams and goals. We go through that. I mean, people just, you know, the anxiety of saying, this is what I want to do. And you kind of get caught up in maybe the nasty now and now, the day-to-day stuff. Well, going to college is a dream for a lot of people, either for themselves or their children. And going to college without acquiring an enormous amount of debt becomes a dream for so many, and it's almost becoming unachievable. Well, Frank Lacarica is here to discuss with us some basic ideas on how to make the payments and to do the college cost without creating an enormous amount of debt. Know how to set habits and can lead to success. That's important. And whether we talk about a 529 plan or an UGMA plan or all these other plans, College planning for your child and your grandchild is important, and you do not want to miss what Frank's going to talk about. So grab a pen and paper, take notes, because these two guys are here. They're going to provide us with great advice, helping us make those decisions that we struggle with day to day. Print. Well, you know what print is? That's the stuff you read that's on white paper. It's not dead. So many people say, oh, they're going to read from their you know, their their phones or everybody's reading from some device or something. Well, Gen C, Gen Z students, those that are born between the 90s, that's the mid-90s to the early 2000s, according to Canon USA survey, they're learning and they said that the 85% of that generation still prefer reading a physical book. Now, I happen to be one of those that likes to read a book. I don't mind saying that the Kindle's not a great device. I love it. I don't mind saying that reading from my, even from my iPhone or from an iPad, but I like reading print. Well, that generation, 85%, still prefer reading a physical book. 76% said they would prefer reading a task. If they were doing something about history or something from they had to work on, they prefer to read it from a t- take, doing the task on paper 
and not some type of an iPad or something. I'm impressed with that generation already. They're my kind of people. Speaking about college, as I was talking to you earlier, here's a note. Statista 2019, they said, statistics show that the share of recent college graduates who were underemployed in the United States from June 18 to June 19, as of the June 19 date, about 41% of the recent college graduates we're underemployed. Well, you're going to find out how to avoid that because that's what Frank's going to talk about. 65% of college graduates in 2018 finished that schooling in debt. How do you avoid it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Coming up, Shannon Dyson will help us face important decisions about group health care plans versus Medicare. And Frank Lacarica, he's going to talk about and give us advice on how to prepare for funding that college education for that child or grandchild. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Lecarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, this morning, I should probably call Commander Chuck. I need to just get his advice on something this morning. And guys, I'm going to introduce you real quick. Frank Lecarica, welcome to the program. Glad to be here, Jim. And we've got Shannon Dyson. He's here with the pro with us on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Jim. Well, you know, guys, I got to got to talk to you about something. I, I as I said, I should have called Commander Chuck. I mean, maybe that's what I did because I had a, an issue this morning. I want your opinion. Have you ever had to get off the interstate where you realize you're getting off the? You know, you're driving down I forty or fifty five or something. You know, and you're driving, and you get off the and you realize just about halfway up the ramp, up oh, wrong exit. Okay, or you're getting on the interstate and you realize, oh, wrong. This is the wrong way. I shouldn't. And you try to stop and turn around and go back, back up. Have you ever tried to do that? Either one of you? I've I've thought about doing it, but I've never actually done it. (laughs) That's what I was afraid you were going to say. Well, I did it this morning. I mean, I, you know, of course, I leave the office early, but I'm kind of getting on the interstate. And as I as I realized about about a third of the way, maybe down the ramp. I said, oh, no, this is, I forgot. And I didn't have time to go all the way. You know, that most people would have driven down to the next exit, turned around and camp, you know, did the coming well, back. Well, you've got a whole mile to drive to the next well, exit, that's probably. A- <laughs> I mean, who's time for that? Uh, okay, nice, well said. Yeah, But I have to admit, now, I put my flashers on, I backed up. And people let me back up. So everybody that went by me this morning waving and not not screaming out the window. Well, Memphis at me. drivers get a bad rap. No, they, they didn't. Out. This morning it was gracious people. They they you know, of course I'm not gonna say what they were probably saying to me, but But they were nice anyway. <laughs> they let they let you back up without honking too many horns or no anything honk, like that. That's great. Honked. That's great. Those okay. people had had their coffee. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Or they were drinking. They were on their way, way to Starbucks. All right. Well let's start with you, Shannon, because here's the question. There I mean so many people that get to this point at age 65, they're going to, you know, retire or they're making the decision to retire. And the question that we had from someone said, should I stay on my my employer's group health plan or at this stage of my life, should I enroll in a Medicare supplemental plan? That's the question. 
That's the decisions that people have to make. Help us through that process. I think a a lot of people just think when I turn 65, uh, I'm supposed to get on Medicare. But as we as we look at the, the the way that things are going now, people are working longer. People are working past that age, that 65 age. Many people are. And so this decision has become uh, more complex over time because more people are still working. They're turning 65. They're not going on to Medicare. They're staying on their group plan. So you have two sets of people who say, well, I'm working, so I should just be on my group plan. And then you have the other people that say, well, I turned 65, so I should probably just go on to Medicare. It's not a cut and dry decision either way. There has to be some analysis that goes on to see what is the best option for you. Okay, but I thought that if you turn 65, you get your Medicare card, everybody's on Medicare Part A. Are you talking about Part B is the decision they're making the process? Actually, both. Uh, So when you turn 65, uh, most people go ahead and take Part A of Medicare because there's no cost to it. It's It's free. It's hospitalization. Uh, So most people will go ahead and take that. There is one reason why you would not want to take Part A of Medicare, and it's if you work for a a company uh, and you have a health savings account, which is an HSA, um, if you are contributing to that HSA, uh, putting tax-free dollars in, or uh, if your employer is contributing on your behalf, putting tax-free dollars into an account for you, uh, you wouldn't want to sign up for Part A, um, and you don't have to. So you can decline to sign up for Part A. Uh, if you did sign up for Part A, you could no longer contribute to the HSA, and your employer could no longer contribute on your behalf to an HSA. I think the question, here, here's why I have the question. They're asking, and I think this is what I'm saying. Now, remind everybody, if you just tuned in, this is the first time you've ever listened to the program, or you're a frequent listener, and you, we appreciate it. If you got a question for us, just send it to Shoemaker Financial, you know, at TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. So TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. We'll be glad to get your questions on and, and go through that process at any time. So it's TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com, and we'll get your questions on. But, but now, now, Shannon, this is a person, I, I'm, I'm confused, and I think it's, it's the question because I'm not sure we're answering the question. If I turn 65 mm-hmm. and I am going to continue to work, I get a notification that I must apply for Medicare Part A. Is that a payment or am I, is that required or, or am I saying it right or what's the issue? There's two things there. So if you're, if you're still working and you are not taking your Social Security benefits, correct, um, you uh, do not have to take Part A. When you say have to take, don't yeah. you still have to file a paper that says uh, you don't even have to notify you, the government? Or you, you do not. No, you do not so have to take Part A, a at a all. A lot of people Absolutely. A hundred percent. We had uh, people in the office not too terribly long ago that had signed up for Part A because they thought they had to. Had to. They did not take Part B because we'll talk about this in a minute, but there's no co- there is a cost to Part B. And so they didn't want to take Part B. They signed up for Part A, thought they had to. Uh, they were notified from their employer because you have Part A. I can't contribute to your HSA any longer, and that was not a good day. That was not a good day. Not, not so at all. now we need to make sure number one that it's an option. It is an option unless you're taking Social Security. If you're taking Social Security, they will automatically enroll you into Part A of Medicare. So that's the, that's the distinctive thing there. All right, let's make sure we clear this up because I think this is an issue for a lot of people. You're not obligated. Correct. To do Part A. Right. If you have an HSA at your current employer and you sign up for Medicare Part A, you lose that benefit. You lose the benefit. Correct. Yeah. And that's going to be costly. It, it is absolutely costly because a lot of employers, what they've done over time is, is medical 
uh, costs in general have increased over time. And for you out there that on our group plan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Each year, the rates go up and deductibles go up. And so what a lot of employers will do is they'll open these health savings accounts and they'll put money into a health savings account for the employee. They say, you know, I'm raising your deductible, but I'm going to give you some money to help you pay that deductible. Uh, And so you turn 65, you sign up for Part A, and you're staying on your group plan. Well, now you can no longer get that contribution from your employer because you do have part A of of Medicare. Let's talk about the cost. I mean, when you make decisions here, you've got, let's just go through the issues because if you've got dependents, that's, that's critical for what you may help, you know, go through that process of making the decisions. And again, you're not obligated to do Part B, but Part B could be expensive, but you need to know the difference. Yeah, I would say that when you're when you're working, when you're still continuing to work, you say, I'm working until 70. Let's just say I've, I've decided to work until I'm age 70. I'm, I'm 65. I could take Medicare right now. Should I stay on my group plan or not? The things you're looking at are, am I covering dependents? Is my spouse under age 65? If that's the case, I probably do want to stay on my group plan. Uh, because if I go on to Medicare, my spouse will not have an option to stay on my plan longer than 18 months with COBRA. So I've got to understand what happens to my spouse if I go on to Medicare. That's one decision that you need to make. Uh, and then the other one is just is cost. Uh, if your employer is paying for a large percentage of your premium already, meaning you pay very little for your health insurance, and many employers still do that, they'll pay sometimes 100% of the employee cost of insurance, um, it may make financial sense for you to just stay on your group plan. I want to talk about that. If you just tuned in, I'm talking with Shannon Dyson. He is with Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. He handles all of our group benefits in the office and does a lot of work with a lot of companies here in the city. If you would like to talk to Shannon, just call him at 757-5757. Question that came in that was asked, should I stay on my employer's group health plan or enroll in a Medicare supplement plan? And we find it's not just an easy answer. It's one that can be very complicated. And Shannon, you just kind of leaned into it a little bit. Everyone who turns 65 has three questions. And you kind of talked about the fact that they've cost. Cost becomes a driving question. Yeah, cost is uh, one of those questions that if, and this varies from employer to employer. That's why it's not a cut and dry decision for each person that's turning 65. Employers pay as much as 100% for employee cost of insurance. Uh, Some pay as little as 50% for the cost. Uh, And so when you're looking at the decision, you're saying, okay, how much am I being deducted out of my paycheck for my health insurance today? And then let's look at the costs of actual Medicare. And so the costs of Medicare can vary also depending on your income. Uh, so you make that decision, you look at those costs, and then make the decision that fits for, for you and your family. And that is a tough decision. It is. Yeah, it is. Because like I said, it matters how much you're making at your work as well. Uh, income is a determining factor. Uh, we talked about Part A. Part A is free. Uh, if you do decide to go on to Medicare, you have to take uh, Part B. Uh, Part B of Medicare uh, does have a cost to it. It's for physician charges, anything outside of the hospital, um, and it's $135.50 per month. Uh, but that number uh, can vary greatly depending on your income. You know, from an article that I read from Prudential Insurance Company, they, they mentioned the fact that the average couple still needs $285,000 to fund health care retirement costs. And that is before factoring in their long-term care, dental, and the premiums or the premiums paid for Medicare and higher for higher income couples. 
That's a big number. It's why people are working longer. It's why they're staying on and saying, well, if I can keep my my, uh, employer's uh, group health, maybe I should do that. And that's, I think, why a lot of people, they see statistics like this. Uh, they see statistics of rising health care costs. They're thinking about what is my income going to be in retirement. And so the automatic decision or thought process is, well, I've got group coverage. I probably should just keep it. Let me go to the second question that we had from a person that was also asking questions about Medicare. And this question, I guess, was kind of one of those process thoughts where it said, all right, I've got to make a decision. Am I required to enroll in Part B if I enroll in Part A? And will my group plan require me to do this? And how do I go about making the decision? And you know where we're going with this. The third question is, if I have a major medical cost that's pending or existing, how do I make that decision? And that's why this is all so confusing, because there's just so many variables. Um, There's not one uh, answer uh, that you can give for everybody that is that is turning 65. Uh, if you're if the employer that you work for uh, has less than 20 employees, uh, many insurance carriers are going to require that you take both A and B, uh, which means that you would have to pay that Part B premium of Medicare if you work for a company that has less than 20 employees. Uh, and the reason why is that companies under 20 employees, Medicare becomes the primary payer. And what I mean by that is that when you submit a claim or you go into the hospital uh, and you work for a group that is under 20 employees and you have the group plan, um, Medicare pays first uh, and your group plan pays second. So they become a secondary payer. Um, Because of that, the insurance companies say, hey, we want you to have all of the coverage that Medicare offers because we want to be on the hook for le- as, as few dollars as we can. And so Medicare is the primary payer. Uh, if you work for a company that has more than 20 employees, um, uh, the group plan is the primary uh, payer. So in that case, you don't have to take Part B of Medicare. So you don't have that extra expense, that one thirty-five fifty per month of Medicare, because your group plan pays primary. And there's really no reason for you to have Part B of Medicare if you have a group primary paying plan. It is complicated. It is. And what I'm hearing from you, no, even though you think that this is a program that everybody should fall right into, it seems to me like it's almost like you have to look at it from an individual's Everybody's different. It's complicated, but then when you figure out what position that person is in, it becomes much less complicated because there are certain scenarios that you look at. If if somebody comes into the office and they work for a large corporation here in town um, and they say, I'm turning 65, um, this is what my company pays for me for insurance, it becomes a math equation because you look and say, okay, well, this is what your costs are. All right, let's tell you the cost... Their cost for their big company plan is $450, $500. Yeah, whatever it is per month, right? And then you look at the deductible that they would have to pay should they go into the hospital. Um, And what we like to do is just add everything up and say, this is your total cost of medical care for the year. Currently. Currently under your your group plan. group plan. Correct. Now let's look and see what the premiums would be for Medicare Part B, a Medicare supplement, prescription coverage, add all of that up. And then we look and see which one looks better. Here's the question that I guarantee you they're thinking, everybody's thinking about right now. I have a company, uh, we can call it a insurance company, ABC Insurance Company. Doesn't make any difference who it is. And that's who my big company carrier is. And I'm very happy with them. I've been there and it's great. 
and I'm going to go into Medicare and Medicare supplemental. You hear where I'm going with yes, this? Yes. Yeah. Am I going to be given the? Oh my goodness! I can't. I do, no way. Am I? I need to stay here. You see what I'm saying? Is it going to be equal coverage? Absolutely. And that is a fear uh, that we that we talk through. Um, and I would say that it is a legitimate concern, especially when you're talking about uh, specific examples of somebody that may be taking a prescription that is really high cost or really high dollar prescription. Um, that may be a, a, a deciding factor on which way we go. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. We're going to come back in just a second with Shannon Dyson. We're talking with him about should you stay on your employer's group health plan? or enrolled in a Medicare supplement. I'm going to ask Frank Lacarica, too. He's a practitioner involved with clients every day, and I want to get his opinion of what his clients are asking about this same subject when we come back. All right, Shannon Dyson, Frank Lacarica. We're talking about Medicare and supplement plans, how to enroll, should you enroll. When Frank comes back with us, we're going to dive into literally figuring out a way to keep out of college debt. We're going to find out how big the problem that is in Memphis and Mid-South and the United States. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Please keep in mind that the primary reason to purchase a life insurance product is the death benefit. Life insurance products contain fees such as mortality and expense charges and may contain restrictions such as surrender periods. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. I'm talking with Shannon Dyson. We're talking about the question, should I stay on my employer's group health plan? This was a question from someone. and Or enroll in a Medicare supplemental plan. Now, Shannon, we had just kind of moved into this idea of cost, and we talked about uh, a particular drug maybe somebody might be taking. Talk about that where you're getting to, you're, you're going through this whole process of deciding to move to a Medicare and a Medicare supplement. Well, so far we've just talked about the the premium outlay that the that the employee would have. Uh, we've talked about how the the deductibles work for medical and which one would be better. Uh, but other questions that we ask when someone's trying to make this decision: Are you taking any high cost uh, prescription drugs? Uh, many times, um, drug manufacturers will give uh, not a better deal, but if a company, let's say you have a uh, 25 or a $50 copay with your group for your prescriptions, for brand name prescriptions, um, the insurance company pays the rest of what that cost is. So you may have a $10,000 drug that you're actually taking, uh, but your group plan only charges you a $50 copay to go and get that prescription. Um, that's different under Medicare. And the Medicare prescription Part D plans, uh, the one thing that you will notice is if you take a high dollar drug, there's three different levels. We won't get in, into all of this today on the prescription Part D. Uh, three different levels. Uh, if your drug is that expensive, you're getting to that third level of coverage pretty quickly, um, and you're paying a percentage of the cost of that drug, and that's about 25% uh, of, this year of, of, the of the cost. So if you're taking a $10,000 drug, you're looking at a couple thousand dollars a month that you're paying for that prescription drug. And that's something they you have to go through the assessment process. That's where you've got to seek advice. That's that's the most important thing is just seeking the advice to to let someone know your specific situation. 
Uh, we've done it for long enough that we know to ask those questions, especially when we're going through this assessment. Um, you know, what prescriptions are you taking? Let's take a look and see what that looks like under Medicare and compare it. Many times it, it, it's better on, on Medicare. Your prescription drug costs are very low. You compare that to the copays that you're paying on the group plan. It's a better deal for you to go Medicare. So it really is an individualized decision. I think that's critical for us to think about that. I think, you know, Frank, let me ask you a question. When you're talking with a lot of people, Frank Lacarica, of course, one of our advisors at the office and does a lot, of, is a practitioner. He's involved in the client with a lot of clients. Frank, this is a question you get all the time. It is. <clears throat> when, you know, when, when you get, when you approach that Medicare age, it's it when when we move into retirement, there's there's a concern. We've got a budget. I mean, we've we've spent our life saving money. We've got Social Security. We've got, you know, in some cases, pensions. We've got our retirement accounts, but we've got a budget with a fixed budget that we have to be able to stick to and count on in order to to, to plan for those next 30 years, the, the, the years that we've, we've looked forward to. And so uh, the health care cost is, is a big part of that. Medicare is a huge part of that. It's a, it's a big part of the discussion, Jim. So I guess when you when you go through that, that's something that people have to understand is the assessment that you're talking about, Shannon, is is just a part of that overall discussion from a planning standpoint. If a person's approaching or at that point in that stage in life, they just can't pull the trigger quickly. Yeah, and the biggest thing I would say is is do not assume that because you are um, continuing to work um, after the age of 65, don't assume that it is the best course of action for you to stay on your group plan. I think a lot of people make that assumption. Um, we'll have people come to the office that are 67, 68 years old. Uh, we'll show them the costs that are associated with Medicare, the low, low or zero deductibles, um, and they'll say, man, why did I not do this two years ago? I should have done this. Mm. They just never did that assessment to see, and they just assumed, well, I'm working, so I'll keep my group plan. Well, we uh, want to close out this with a, there's a thought from behind. It's my group health plan, and this terminology is, is something that a lot of people, I think we, we don't see this much and we don't hear it, called it's my group health plan, credible coverage. Explain that. Yes. If you are um, age 65 or older and still working, uh, each year you should get a letter uh, from your employer that says your group plan offers credible coverage for prescriptions. And what that basically is telling you is that you are, you're okay. If you're on the, on the group health plan and you did not go on to Medicare uh, and you didn't select prescription Part D coverage, um, you're okay. The, your group plan has credible coverage to cover it. If, let's just say, you did not get that letter and your group plan did not provide credible coverage, uh, once you turn 65, you are required to take prescription Part D coverage. Um, and if you don't, you face a penalty. And so each year, that letter comes out from the employer that says, hey, you didn't go into Medicare, you stayed on our group plan, our group plan is credible, so you do not have to worry about any penalties associated with not taking other coverage through Medicare. Well, guys, I so much appreciate what you've covered. Shannon, this has been a great part of a program. I mean, I think it's so important. People, this is this is a tough subject, and it's a tough subject to get your head around, and yet people make decisions, and sometimes it's the wrong decision, and it's difficult to correct a bad decision. Get advice. I mean, yeah. it really, just get advice. When you turn 65, just understand your options. Don't make an assumption that, well, uh, Joe in the office stayed on the plan. He didn't go into Medicare. It's probably the best deal. Uh, I think I'll just stay on the group plan. And that's not always the case. It's not always the case, yeah. That's a good point. Well, 
Shannon Dyson is, of course, uh, if you'd like to talk to Shannon, just call him at 757-5757. When we come back, Frank Lacarica, we're going to find out how much it costs to go to college and then why it's important that you build a plan or strategy around paying for those children or grandchildren. Stay with us because when you come back, it's a very important program. It's all about our droid dreams and our goals. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Back when present-day Tennessee was claimed by North Carolina, the Chickasaw Indian tribe owned the land along the Mississippi River Bluff. The Indians allowed settlers to live on their grounds and later sold the land to Andrew Jackson, John Overton, and James Winchester. Their plans for the incorporation of the land into a city did not sit well with the settlers, who were unwilling to go along with newcomers from the east. The settlers needed a strong spokesman from their own ranks if they were to have any say over the future of their community. Fortune smiled upon the settlers when Isaac Rawlings emerged as their leader and persuaded Jackson, Overton, and Winchester to accept a compromise and leave the outlying areas outside the new city. This victory made Rawlings an important figure in Memphis politics for many years. His prestige and reputation allowed him to win several easy victories in the earliest mayoral races and yet remained true to his humble frontier beginnings. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. You know, if you talk to parents of young children or grandparents of young children, they tell you with not a much of a heartbeat, they'll say quickly, paying for my kid's education, my, college, my kid's college education is a real concern. It's about how do they help if they're grandparents, how do they set aside the money? It's a battle today. My guest, Frank Lacarica, he's a practitioner in the office, does a lot of work with a lot of young couples and grandparents about how to set up a plan. So, Frank, welcome to the program again, sir. Uh, Jim, happy to be back here to talk about it. Let me let me ask you the question, though, because I want to put a, a playing field here. What does it cost today? I mean, I think that's a... You know, everybody's buying a car. We find out that cost debt and cars are about the same. About the same, yeah. And uh, mortgages is the only thing that really exceeds the nation as far as debt. Uh, but we're talking about $1.5 trillion. Trillion, with a T. With a T. With so a T. what does it cost to go to college? Uh, you know, uh, in 2018, the uh, the College Board did a study in 2018, uh, the average cost of a four-year degree at a public, in-state in public university was a little over $83,000 a year. Um, if, you, if you decided to go out of state, you're looking at $145,000 a year for a four-year degree. And if you decided to go to a private institution for the privilege of attending a private institution, about $190,000 for a four-year degree. That's, a, that's an enormous amount of money. And we were just talking, and uh, Shannon, you mentioned that your dad, what was it, that uh, go to UT? Price. And we're looking for my son now, and the prices today, it was, tw- was $6,500 a year 
uh, when in 1995 to 1999, it's not that long ago. No. Uh, and today, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 26 or 27,000 for the same the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So inflation is definitely pushing the number up. Oh yeah, and, and a lot of you grandparents out there may remember, you know, back in in the early 70s and 71, the cost of a four year degree, Jim, eighty seven hundred dollars. Eighty. Seven. So we're creating a lot of debt. We talked about one point five trillion, a little trillion over one point five trillion. We've discovered that the average debt for a person today is a roughly for a college or somebody's paying on college roughly fifty thousand dollars. I think is what you said. Yeah, there was a, there was a study released that the average college, uh, the average household debt for for student loans about fifty thousand okay. dollars. So now you're talking about a payment of fifty thousand dollars. That's usually ten years probably to pay that off. Maybe longer for some people, maybe yeah. 30 years. And we found out that literally, I mean, that's amazing, age 62 and older has got $67.8 billion in debt that they're paying on college education. Of course, most of it's not for their college education. Mm-hmm. It's because they have financed debt you know, to in order for, to help grandkids. Yeah. yeah. And the reality is the cost of tuition these days, there's so many people helping to to, to support that dream to go to, to, to chase that four-year degree, to get that education, to join the workforce. And and the reality is it's just, it's it's gotten so expensive, it's prohibitively yeah. expensive for younger people these days. So, so with all that said, how do we pay for this? How do we sell, give us some plans? That is so. So many people don't think about it, but give us some plans. Yeah, well, there, there's a, there's a couple different ways you can do it. There's uh there's section five two nine plans, five twenty nine plans. That's probably one of the more common uh, common products that people use to fund college education. You've got Coverdell education savings accounts. You've got UGMAs and UTMAs. Okay, well, okay, UGMA. <laughs> that sounds like a. I don't know if it's a nasty word or not. Uh, yeah, uniform gift to minor, uniform transfer to minor. They're uh, custodial accounts uh, that 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 that. Can can be used to, to fund college. Those get a little complicated, but they're 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 they were used. I think we had talked about. I think at some point you had oh, used. Yeah, we've done them. Yeah, yeah, you, you've done them. So, and then there's also there's other uh, other permanent life insurance is a is a product that you can use to help offset the cost. Give of me college. some of the characteristics, the basic characteristics of these plans. What are you looking for? Well, when when we're looking at any plan or, or any any product to to help support that college education, we want to know a who controls it. Is it you or the child? The flexibility of it. Who can contribute? How much can they can contribute? What's the purpose of it? A big big deal taxation. How is it taxed? Financial aid. Does it impact your ability to qualify for financial aid? How does it grow? And then does it have some form of estate planning benefit? And that's more for the grandparent side of it. Okay. But, yeah. Those All are. Right. Six so let's, let's start with the one that a lot of people know and talk about. We hear a lot about it, the 529 plan. Mm-hmm. It's kind of known, I think, as the Qualified Tuition Program. QTPs, uh, just the, the street name for it's the 529s, yeah. Uh, it, they're, uh, they're based, uh, each state has their own 529 plan, um, and there's, st- there's certain states offer tax advantages, so there are benefits to you know investing in a Virginia plan, just not saying that specifically, but a Virginia plan, you can invest in Virginia if you live in Tennessee. You don't have to, to invest in the Tennessee plan. Uh, the, the benefit to these, uh, there's tax-free earnings on growth and then tax-free withdrawals if they're used for qualifying higher education expenses. All right, that's that's critical for people to understand. You you have to when you say qualifying, give me what qualifying means. Now, is that is that 
higher education is that that's not high school no no this is college college yeah qualified qualified expenses your tuition fees books supplies room and board food's not a qualified expense so Um, if you as long as you're making that happen there's no penalties for that no penalties to access it nope you can it's the growth is the growth is uh tax deferred and the the withdrawals are tax-free so long as it's used for one of those expenses associated with Higher education. So if, if you make a withdrawal, say you decide, let's say the child doesn't go to college or the child quits after two years and you want the money. Uh, ordinary income and plus 10%. <laughs> so it's uh, it w- would have been a, a, a pretty bad move to do that. But the good news is that if you have more than one child, you can transfer that or use it for um, another child. So it, it's not a, a loss. So it is a, you c- capable of being moved around. It now, is. I think everybody needs to know that it, just because you're doing a 529 plan does not guarantee that the contributions and the investment returns will be adequate no. to cover a high school, I mean, a college, edu- higher education expenses. Contributors to the plan, you need to assume that all investment risks are just like investment risks. That's including potential for loss of principal, penalties for non-educational withdrawals. All those things play in. It's an investment. Yeah, and you have to look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 hoping that through time, market growth, that you will re- you'll achieve a rate of return that's going to help offset the cost, just significant cost of, of college education. Shannon, I know you're in the process of um, looking currently for a college to send a particular gifted young man to and uh, what's the what's the the issues that go on in your mind today well the the good thing uh, today is that the colleges are very open about what the charges are going to be even though as Frank just talked about how expensive they are uh, they are clearly defined uh, on their website and they will give you an idea of what it is going to cost the total cost to send your child there. Uh, They'll include not only tuition, but room and board and books and all of those expenses and show you, okay, this is what the number is going to be. Um, But it's intimidating. Uh, When you look at the the price tag on some of these uh, colleges, it's outrageous. And you wonder who is affording (laughs) <laughs> who is affording these colleges? There, there's a certain college that I will not name um, that had a $70,000 per year price tag uh, on it for tuition, room, and board. Uh, and I thought that was excessive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see, seventy grand. So, so now let me ask you this question. I know the young man that happens to be going to this, you know, your select. Is he not worth it? <laughs> <laughs> That's just not a good question. That, good that's question. not a good question. That, that may be a question he asks me. <laughs> I hear you. I have to learn how to deflect that question. Yes, that's a tough question. And that's what happens, though. I, I wanted to kind of, that's what happens to us. You want your child to get the best possible college education, and you want them to give, be given the best opportunity. And all of a sudden, you start looking at the price tag, and it's a it's a it's an emotional decision. Well, when Frank was talking about the the different things that you can save for college, you know, you save for college, you think you're saving enough, you don't know if you're saving enough, you hope you are, and then you see these price tags, and then it comes into to your mind, am I going to have to go into debt to send a child to college? And then when you talked about the debt numbers today, yeah, um, it's staggering. It's 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 a, it's a very real problem, and I, I don't I don't. You know, I, I don't know the answer to it. My job's just kind of help you how to figure out how to pay for it. Uh, you know, the reality is, it's you know, it's Jesus, seventy thousand dollars a year, three hundred grand. That's that's a house. But you know, guys, we're talking about you talked about the five two nine plan. Frank, you're on the other side of this. Yep. You and Emily have a small small children. We do. So yeah. so what we're hearing is. 
You can't wait till you're at the status where Shannon is going to school next year. You've got to start early. The earlier you start, the better. I mean, that's the reality. And there's there's several other, you know, other options for it. I mean, and, you know, there's Coverdells that we we kind of... Stop with that. We're coming right back. Okay. And I want to talk about the Coverdell. I want to talk about the other options. 529 is probably the most known and popular, and people talk about it. But there's a lot of other options. I want to cover those when we come back. If you just tuned in, my guest, Frank Lacarica and Shannon Dyson, we're talking specifically right now about the cost of going to college and the desire. And we hear, as Shannon expressed it, I want him to go basically where it's the best for him. And I guarantee if I ask the son, no question about that. We'll find out how you pay for it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. A 529 plan is a tax advantage investment program designed to help pay for qualified education expenses. Participation in a 529 plan does not guarantee that the contributions and investment returns will be adequate to cover education expenses. Contributors to the plan assume all investment risk, including the potential for loss of principal and any penalties for non-educational withdrawals. Your state of residence may offer state tax advantages to residents who participate in the in-state plan subject to meeting certain conditions or requirements. You may miss out on certain tax advantages should you choose another state's 529 plan. Any state-based benefits should be one of many appropriately weighed factors to be considered in making an investment decision. You should consult with your financial tax or other advisor to learn more about how state-based benefits, including any limitations, would apply to your specific circumstances. You may also wish to contact your home state's 529 plan program administrator to learn more about the benefits that might be available to you by investing in the in-state plan. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking about how do you pay for college education and the reason why that is because today, student debt, believe it or not, student debt for college education, student loans are now the second largest debt category in the United States, trailing only one, and that is the mortgage debt. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Since 1971, the grandparents of the kids going to school now, believe it or not, that grandparent went to a public university, paid about $8,700. And you guys have already talked about $70,000 cost Mm -hmm. just to go to a four, that's per year, year. to a four-year college. And literally, we're talking about an enormous amount of debt being created. Frank, I want you to give me, we talked about 529s. We just did the disclaimer that 529s is not the answer to everybody's issue mm-hmm. but what are some of the other plans you talked about a coverdale coverdale plans yeah. uh ugmas utmas and you know uh, permanent life insurance is another way to to help supplement college costs so talk about the coverdale plan well the, the coverdale uh it's it's uh it's an it's either established in a trust or a custodial account so it's it's actually the the owner is is the um is a trust or the 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 person who you're going to be educating Contributions have to be made before age 18, can't exceed $2,000 a year. The contributions are not deductible. Uh, earnings are not taxed if used for qualifying expenses. Um, they, these are a little different in that they can be used for private elementary and secondary schools. So, you know, if you've got a, a child in private school, you can contribute to these and help uh, offset the cost of, of, uh, of private schools. Good. Very good. All right. Let me 
And I want to make sure we cover what did you say earlier? You said you need to understand the basic characteristics. Mm -hmm. Go through those. We're about to run out of time, but run me. Go through the basic characteristics of a plan. You talked about the 529 plans, Coverdale, UGMA, UDMA, and permanent life insurance. Using permanent life insurance works. But tell me those characteristics again. Uh, Control. Uh, First and foremost, who controls the account? Do you control the account? Does the child control the account? Important because you don't want to hand them potentially thousands of tens of thousands of dollars when they go to college and they decide, hey, I need a car more than I need to pay for this year's this year's education. Uh, Flexibility. Who can contribute? Are grandparents going to be contributing to it? Uh, Making sure that anybody who wants to is able to. Um, taxation. How are the contributions taxed? Are they tax deductible? Are they tax deferred? Is the growth tax deferred? Are, are you able to access it tax free? And then financial aid, uh, is, as Shannon mentioned, it's, 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 a, it's a big process going through this. And so getting some of those dollars from the universities to help offset the cost of this is important and making sure that what we're doing isn't negatively impacting our ability to qualify for financial aid. Uh, the growth and accumulation of the asset, like we talked about with 529s, they are investments. They they can go up, they can go down. And then uh, estate planning, some of them do provide you know, some estate planning benefits. Great coverage, guys. Great way. Thank you so much for doing that. Thanks, Frank, for doing that. I appreciate it. Something's going on in your home today. I believe it's a certain person's birthday. It is my wife's it's birthday, your wife's birthday today. So it please, is. let's hit the music. Hey, Emily. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Yeah, that's great. We want to make sure that she gets a happy birthday. But, guys, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I think we covered some very important subjects. Understanding that we want to avoid the debt. We do. Absolutely. Any we, we, want to, we want to provide that education, but we want to do it in the most efficient, effective way possible. Shannon, making a decision about Medicare. Yeah, just get advice get, get from somebody who knows Medicare, knows group plans. Listen to them. You know, look, at your, look at your options and make the best decision. And it's a tough decision, guys. It is. It's, it's, not, not, it's not easy. It's no, not, it's not an easy thing to do. Well, you've been listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guests have been Shannon Dyson. He's the vice president of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. And Frank Lacarica is a practitioner at Shoemaker Financial. Great subjects. We answered a lot of questions from a lot of people. If you have questions for Shannon or Frank, you can reach them at 901-757-5757 or go online and just simply go to Shannon Dyson or Frank Lacarica. Lacarica and type in shoemakerfinancial.com. And it's just that's simple, easy to do. We hope you have enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to shoemakerfinancial.com. Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial or check out our website. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Hey, send these guys an email, tell them you appreciated the information today. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening and being a part. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination Francis Fortner. Production assistant Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Lecarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Yeah.